Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Joined today by Neil Parrish, who's the Workload Planning Manager at Greg's. Hi, Neil. Hi, Simon. How are you? Uh, not too bad today. Thank you very much. We all know Greg's. We all love Greg's. I think you've been there a little while, so it'd be good for the listeners to understand a bit about your career background. Yeah, absolutely. So I've worked for Greg's for 23 years now, so pretty much for since graduating from university. So my background at university was mathematics and statistics. So probably the right sort of qualifications that led me kind of by chance, I guess, into a you know a workforce and labour planning role. And I've done that for the majority of time I've, I've been with Greg's. So probably at least 20 of those 23 years has been spent in that capacity. Quite a forward thinking company, I think, at the time in terms of recognising the importance of labour standards in everything that we do, not just from a a costing point of view, but, you know, critically from a retail perspective, the importance of making sure we've got the right people in our stores at the right time to deliver fantastic customer service. So we've done that for a long time. I've been involved in that for a long time, you know, formally using software which we developed in-house a few year, years ago, rolling out the, the Blue Yonder uh, workforce management solution. So hopefully we, we continue to develop and innovate in that area. In your time, you must have seen some big expansion in, in Greg's because there's, there's seemingly lots more stores and there's different channels as well now. So Iceland sell Greg's branded frozen products. So there's been, there's been a real growth in the business in that 23 years, you, 23 years you've been there, I'm sure. There has a lot of the uh, the growth prior to, to me joining was through acquisition. So some listeners may re- remember we had shops in different parts of the co- country under under different brands. So in Birmingham, it was Bragg's. In Leeds, it was Thurston's. We also had the Baker's Oven chain, Burkitt's over in Cumbria. So definitely a lot of growth just prior to me joining through acquisition. And then it's been more organic growth since then so so opening more stores i guess in particular getting into different areas so moving away from the the traditional high street and suburban locations into more smart locations so places where people travel retail parks industrial parks making sure that you know wherever you are you're, you're close to a greg's the travis perkins there's some greg's or there always seems to be close so there's a good a good link to the kind of customer and demographic profile that you're looking for and that i think leads us on to some of the interesting part of the debate today your footprint is is relatively small so you've got lots of shops they're all relatively kind of small footprint shops and you've got lots of customers which is a great thing now that must cause some real challenges when you've got peaks so i assume there's kind of a breakfast peak a a lunch peak which lasts maybe a couple of hours and then some post-afternoon peaks because you talked about labour standards. Even if you've measured everything and you know how much potential work's required with a good forecast, that must bring some real challenges in terms of the bottlenecks that causes where you could probably do with one, two, three more people in those peak hours. But physically, the, the space doesn't allow it for a number of reasons in terms of health and safety, the general layout, people bumping into each other. How do you think about and combat some of those challenges with the the peaks, the intensity, and actually having enough people to give a good service. Yeah, you're absolutely right with those challenges. Um, you now you can look at the total labour 
requirement over the set, you know, over the course of say half an hour or an hour, you know, and you can calculate from those standards that, you know, you maybe need three people serving, maybe you can fit people, three people behind the counter. But what you never really pick up in that data is the fact that, you know, we have shops at a, a bus station or a train station. And actually, for 15 minutes of that 30 minutes, we don't get anybody in at all. And then all of a sudden, you know, a bus arrives, a train arrives, and you've got hundreds, if not thousands of people going past the front of your store. So, it's how do you set up to be able to cope with those very, very short peaks as well, which is absolutely critical. There's always going to be a limit. So if you can only get three people behind the counter, you can only get three people behind the counter. There's nothing that you can do about that. So where a lot of our focus has been over the last few years is actually using the data and using the standards, but then looking at the layout of our shops and making sure how, how can we shave seconds off every transaction? And it doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, five seconds can be a 10% saving on how long it takes to serve each customer. You know, over the course of half an hour, you know, that's an extra few customers that we've managed to serve that otherwise would have probably dropped off the queue or they'd have just carried on walking and and found somewhere else to buy their breakfast or lunch. So so that's a real critical part of the work that, that my team looks at. So, you know, the positioning of equipment relative to the position of the till, how far you have to walk to go and collect products what happens when you when you get to the equipment is somebody else always already using that equipment so then you've got a delay then and a bottleneck while you wait for somebody else so quantity of equipment positioning of equipment absolutely key in making sure that we can maximize our customer throughput and i assume again that there's some limitations we've done lots of work studying cups of coffee there comes a challenge of you can only squeeze so much out of the time because depending on your brand promise, it's, you know, hand ground or it's semi-automated ground. You you make that coffee and almost everything else has got to be delivered in inside that. So getting the food, getting the drinks, paying for it, because otherwise it all expands and expands and you end up with less throughput because you've got work either side. So do you kind of keep a good track on the process times and the serving times to try and keep everything within a, a certain window? We do, yeah, and that that coffee is actually a really good example for us because you know we do have freshly ground coffee uh, in automatic machines. So you know you're looking at the best part of a minute to deliver a cup of coffee. Quality of that coffee is obviously of paramount importance. So there there isn't any time that you can squeeze out of that. The question is, what can you do whilst that cup of coffee is pouring? So a lot of our operational training has been focused on the best way to serve a customer quickly, which is you know, clearly put the cup of coffee on first. You can then go and do other things whilst the coffee is pouring. You know, you can make the breakfast roll, you can collect any savoury products, you can take payment at the till, bag the products for the customer. And by the time you've done all of that, the coffee's poured, you can put the lid on, and it's there ready for the customer. So the difference, you know, between doing all of that in the right order, doing it in the wrong order, you know, we can double the length of that transaction. So that really is the the part that drives everything else. But again, that links into the, the former point about, right, well, if you have to have to put the coffee on first, you then want the other the other places you've got to go really accessible without getting in, in the way of somebody else. There's always an ongoing debate, and we, we've had it with a number of, of clients around, do you, in that type of environment where you've almost got, I suppose, the reverse problem than lots of other places where they've, they've got a, a minimum problem, not a maximum capacity problem. So they can always scale up to theoretically, whatever the number is, where actually you're capped. There's always this debate of how you set yourself up. So 
should it be somebody serves at the till and takes the payment, passes it back, somebody gets the order and makes the coffee and and serves it. You see that a lot in kind of the prep model or actually is the better model that somebody deals with it end to end. So they take the order, they go and get the food, make the coffee and and take the payment. And I've seen both work really well. I'm not actually sure there's a a golden a golden answer that one's better than the other so it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on kind of the end-to-end ownership or actually the pass-back model you've summed that up really well because that's a, a challenge we've been wrestling with probably for the past five years and I think you know we probably reached the same conclusion that you have that there isn't necessarily one best way of doing it it is very much dependent on on volumes in any particular store the layout, again, is critical for that to work. So if you've got somebody that is just doing coffees or perhaps just doing your breakfast sandwiches and some of that that production, they need a way of communicating with the people at the tills. So short of having digital screens and order points, you're relying on on people shouting over what they want. And that can get really, really challenging in a, you know, in a busy shop, in a noisy shop. You know, it can get confusing. It can result in wrong food being given to customers. So... So it can be quite challenging to get that that model of operation to work if the layout is set up well and you've got the right balance of, of people on the tills to people being the runners, you can make it re- work really effectively. So how you've got that set up in the shop in terms of where the, where the equipment is and where the people are is important. But then you've got to look at the, the level of orders coming through. If you've got one person just making products, well, how... How many customers can they keep up with before actually they become overrun? That's where you're back to the importance of the labour standards in a, being able to calculate the labour required at the tills versus the labour required uh, for your production person. And if that doesn't balance, then either you've got wasted time because someone stood around doing nothing or you've got the opposite where they just can't keep up and they can't cope. So it very much is a, a kind of a, a shop-specific solution i don't believe that one size fits all uh, and we have to have different ways of working in our perhaps our quieter low volume shops to to what we we have in our busiest locations we we talked about it previously the the challenge that comes then downstream is multiple payment points or you've got delivery coming on board haven't you so i've got a physical customer in the store i've potentially got click and collect order coming in, I've potentially got Just Eat, Deliveroo, whatever it might be, that whole picking part becomes a lot more complex because I might be picking for, let's say, three different customers, but only one of them is actually in the store at that time in terms of stood at the till. So as the world's changed over the last six months, and I know you guys have adapted and, and changed really well with it, what kind of challenges is that throwing up in terms of having multiple picks for virtual and physical customers? It definitely introduces some some new challenges. So, you know, I suppose back to your last point, you know, historically our our favourite approach in most cases has been that, you know, the person on the till takes your order and completes the, the production of that order. So you, so you just deal with one member of the team from start to finish. That that does get more challenging when you've perhaps not just got people ordering at a till. You know, we you might have someone ordering at a kiosk in a store they might be using a, a click and collect app, or you might get an order coming through from from Just Eat or from a delivery partner. So you've you've potentially now got four different sources of orders, 
versus the the one that you had previously. So that does force you to look at the way you operate and try and make some changes to that. So therefore, having a having a production person that just deals with orders coming in, no matter what the source of the, those orders, becomes a more viable prospect in in some stores. You are back again to to looking at layout. It, it always seems to come back to that. But even things like where do you position the tablet? So if your orders are coming in on a on a tablet, where is that? You know, does a team member have to keep running backwards and forwards to it each time it, it, it dings, or is it is it in the vicinity of the till? So if there aren't any digital orders coming through, actually you can continue to, to serve your walking customers. It's a balancing act all the time, and it's early days for us, really. I'm, I wouldn't like to say that we've, we've got all the answers on that. It's relatively new for us introducing digital orders, so we're still working through the best way that we can satisfy the needs of all of those customers without compromising the service levels to any of them as well still still work in progress but I, you know i think we're making making a good job of what we're doing so far and just making sure things like there's packaging stations everything's in one place you've got everything you need but back to the kind of the, the thing about small stores small numbers of staff you need people to be multi-skilled. You need people to be able to serve a walking customer one minute and be starting to put together a, a just eat order the next minute. We're not big enough. We don't have the space and we don't have, I guess, the level of sales to justify having bespoke people in the store that just look after particular orders, just look after just eat or just look after click and collect. We have to have people multi-skilled. So I think from from what you've said, and we, we've seen it in a couple of studies in other similar organisations, there's a level of decision-making that the team have to make on site when they've got a just-eat order comes in, a click-and-collect order comes in, and a physical customer stood in front of them of how to prioritise it. I think that's always tricky when you've physically got somebody there because they can see you doing other stuff, so they don't you don't want them to feel like you're ignoring them. And I, I assume as tech evolves we might get to a place where they get beeps on their watch or there's a smarter way of keeping them in the loop. Whereas at the moment, as you say, it's kind of tablet based, a lot of these third party collection and delivery companies and it comes in and there's a notification. So I think we're probably at the infancy of the tech, but it'd be interesting again to get your thoughts on how the teams make those decisions. And I'm sure they'll get it right most of the time, but as human nature, sometimes we get it wrong. That's always it is always going to be the case, and I and I think you're right about the tech. It is in its infancy, you know. For for example, you know you you might get a a device dinging when an order comes in. It doesn't necessarily remind you again a few minutes before that order is ready. So so you you've got to be really organised to make sure you're on top of you know all the different orders when they need to be ready for, so that you haven't got people hanging around. Particularly at the moment, don't want people hanging around in the stores. It needs to be ready for them to pick up, and they can leave really quickly. I think you can have all the technology in the world, but you know, what I've seen when I've been out and about visiting our own stores is just some brilliant examples of teamwork. You, know, you, you speak to people and say, well, how do you make it work in here? And they'll say things like, you know, we're just, we just communicate. We're a good team. We get on well. We talk all the time. We help each other out. There's no kind of approach of, well, that's not my job. You know, someone else looks after Just Eat, so I'm not going to get involved. With that bit, they all work together really well. And you can imagine, you know, we've got small teams in our shops. In many cases, they've they've worked together for years, if not decades. So they build up really, really close relationships. And I think that's really important in terms of 
delivering a, a great service. You know, they all talk to one another and work well together. And I don't think any amount of technology uh, is uh, necessarily a substitute for that. Yeah, I echo that every time I go into a Greg's, the, the teams are always well engaged. They're always really good with customers. They know the regulars. And if you're not a regular, you know, you get treated really well. So, yeah, hats off. It's it's a, a good service experience and, and consistent. I think that that's the bit that you guys have got really, uh-huh. really nailed is that consistency, which others struggle with. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It is difficult, isn't it? The more and more stores you've got maintaining that 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 consistency. <laughs> really good to good to hear that you've been having a good experience yourself when you visited our, our stores. I've even tried a vegan sausage roll for those listening, and it, uh, and it was very nice. <laughs> very nice. Good to hear. In terms of the future, world's a bit unsettled at the moment, but at some point it'll settle down or we all just have to kind of get on with things because it won't stop turning. What things are in your mind and what kind of challenges are you thinking about for the kind of next 12 to 18 months? Particularly from a labour planning point of view, I think probably the biggest challenges are around the things you've mentioned. So people moving towards different ways of, of ordering. We are really seeing some kind of good growth in that area as obviously, you know, we've got Deliveroo and Uber Eats and, and Just Eat. You know, they're all relatively new and they're, they're doing very well. So certainly that that demand for from customers to have food delivered is key, but obviously, again, puts pressure on the way that we work in stores. Social distancing is a big one at the moment and, you know, touch wood hopefully and you know at some point in the not too distant future some of those challenges go away but we just don't know at the moment we have to keep everybody safe we have to keep our team members safe and we have to keep our customers safe and that put cha- puts challenges on as well in in the old world people would absolutely be be multi-skilled you know there could be you know mate serving a customer one minute and then taking a tray of savories out the oven the next and then doing something else in the shop but it's less easy to have people doing different tasks with social distancing in place. So we've we, we've had to put different roles in place in our stores and we've reconfigured the labour model to support that. So that, that puts some challenges on. It puts some challenges in terms of your labour cost, but it also puts challenges in place in terms of your capacity and how many customers you can actually serve and, and, and get through the door because you can't have as many people serving. You can't have as many tills on as we used to because the, the tills are very close together and you've got people stood side by side if you do that. So, yes, we have challenges, but we also that, that, that brings with it new opportunities as well. So a lot of work over the past few months to say, how can we safely increase capacity in our stores? So that might mean some changes to the way, ways of working and, or to the way we lay out and configure, configure the shops. But that's not redundant. So when we move out of the socially distant world, you know, hopefully all these changes that we've put in place, that which enable us to improve capacity, enable us to accept orders from digital sources, that's all still valid. So it only puts us in a in a good stance moving forward. So so they're probably the big things. Forecasting continues to be important, I guess, in terms of getting that right at store level. And again, you you know, you can you can forecast quite easily walk-in trade because, you know, with the exception of, you know, seasonal times and the build-up to Christmas, it's pretty much the same week in, week out in the majority of our stores. It doesn't change that much. But when you're forecasting lower numbers of new types of orders, that's going to be more difficult to get right. Now, particularly with things like delivery, you get some 
very average sized orders, if you like, people buying two, three, four items. Uh, but we also see people will put some huge orders through. That's quite a difficult thing to plan and forecast for. So if you get one of those, it's how do you adapt to those sorts of things? So I think we'll continue to learn in these areas. That whole forecasting thing's the really interesting one, especially if you're using historic data because there'll come a point when you get to lockdown and there's a big gap in the data in terms of year-on-year on, year on year stuff. So that, that'll be interesting for the likes of yourselves and anybody who's got a big till throughput or volume throughput for kind of items in all production. And, and routes to markets, that'll be really interesting. For me, yeah, all that delivery stuff, just eat stuff it, is brilliant. I think it, it's the first generation and it'll be interesting to see what the second, third and, and fourth generation are. You know, is it delivered by bots? Is it delivered by drones? All that kind of crazy stuff that'll come. But also collaboration, I think, certainly in, in your kind of industry, that whole collaboration piece will, will grow as people find those alternative routes to market to keep the brand there and, and to drive the sales through. So I think it'll be really interesting 12 to 18 months. And like you say, with with any challenge, there's opportunity. And as, as we've seen in the short term, those who seize the opportunity strive and, and those who don't uh, face different challenges. So an interesting time. I think it is. I think the other area that we're, we've only really scratched the surface of is uh, is around customization as well. So if people are ordering digitally, you know, the more inclined to perhaps want to want to customize the product or have that opportunity, whether that's toppings on a pizza or removing an ingredient from a sandwich, they want more choice over over what they do. In itself, could mean that we we do less preparation in advance uh, as we historically do, and, and more having to make products to order on demand. So there's some production challenges as well to get around. So it'll be interesting to see how, how that evolves over the next two years and how that then changes our, our labour model and, and how we schedule people in our stores to deliver that. So you've, you've almost got a, an infinite menu in terms of I can have this choice with this with X choice with Y product becomes great for the consumer, but like you say, difficult in all the other things we've talked about, forecasting, planning, production. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I've really enjoyed the chat. I, I love Greg's anyway, so it, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure, and, and we've known each other known each other for a while, and um, and talked about some of this stuff offline before. So it, it's good to share it with others. Final question from me, then, in terms of your career, what's the best bit of business advice you've ever been given? From a personal point of view, the area that I work in, and obviously others listening, um, presumably working, it, it's quite a niche area. Not everybody really understands what you do and the value that you can potentially add to a business. So from a you know personal career point of view, having a line manager or a mentor, someone that kind of understands what you can do and the value it can bring is really important. And I think that's where I've benefited the most in the past is is having those relationships and having people that, that support you and champion you and that that's helped develop my career. So I think that's quite key. I can, I can really uh, really associate with that, having kind of done a similar job to you in a large organisation before. You you tend to be the, the dark art if you're not careful yeah. or, or, or you're the go-to for lots of people who sometimes like the answer you give them and sometimes don't depending on on what they the output is but yeah if people don't understand the value they're probably missing a trick because it's not all about cost saving it's not all about 
detailed data sometimes it's about is it the right thing to do or actually does the does the data that you've got support the wider business benefits or prove or even disprove an ROI at an early stage so although there's a big emphasis on savings and driving revenue at the moment sometimes there's some really key cost avoidance stuff that teams like yours in organizations can really help with as well that sometimes gets overlooked yeah I'd agree with that but you know I think we're we're in a good place at Greg's it's you know it's viewed with importance increasingly uh, the value is is seen and we've been lucky we've, we've been a growing business for for many years and the emphasis of particularly in the retail side the emphasis has always been on improving service and growing sales and not cutting costs so a great place to be and a you know it makes your job very positive and rewarding when that's the case good to hear well, listen neil it's been a pleasure as always to catch up and let's stay in touch and we'll speak soon excellent thanks simon i've enjoyed that thanks very much